Because being generous is right at the heart of the life of the Christian. It was at the heart of the life of Israel. And as the church born at Pentecost, God's people were filled with his Holy Spirit and seeking to live their lives as devoted followers of the risen Jesus, with generosity flowing out through their hearts uh, and their relationships with God and with one another. Because it's been a bit of a dramatic start for the early church. There were a few believers, and now there are a few thousand believers. God's Spirit has transformed lives, given gifts, and through Peter's astonishing preaching, many people have been drawn to Christ. And miracles have been done. People are repenting and being baptized and the church is born. So after all that excitement, we come to Acts 2 and 42 to 47 particularly. And it's like Luke just takes a bit of a deep breath and we just get a glimpse of how far things have come and how these new believers are seeking day by day to live out their newfound faith. You see, the early church are a family They were living as a family in every way. They were learning together. They were loving together. They were loving one another, seeking to look after one another like a family does. They're eating together. They're encouraging one another to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. They're united. They're praising God together. And they're breaking bread together, remembering, um, as they do, the one who saved them, remembering Jesus, the one who's given them life. And in every way, They're caring for one another and growing as his followers. And that has, as we'll see, a profound effect on those around them. I don't think we can really separate the characteristics of the church that we see here because all of these are vital for the church to flourish. Because without the teaching, they and us would quickly just revert back to the culture of the day, and let the world dictate how they would live. Without the fellowship, they and us too would quickly become isolated and alone, and it would be really hard to sustain a a living faith. If we neglected to break bread together, then I wonder if we would quickly begin to forget the centrality of the cross and Jesus' saving power. If we neglect prayer, then we would quickly neglect our developing relationship with God. And so if we neglect generosity, then I think we would very quickly become individuals that are just self-seeking, self-protecting, and perhaps more likely to take on that worldview that says we've got to get security, we've got to build our little empires and our homes, make sure that we've got a good, secure future to base our life on. You see, generosity was at the heart of the church then, and therefore for us too now. So the first thing is that I think generosity is at the heart of the devoted believer. Because the early church were devoted. They were devoted to Christ, and they were devoted to one another. One writer says that devotion is that sense of an attachment like glue sticking to something. They're utterly glued to Jesus Christ. And glued to one another. And it wasn't just one or two of them. It was all of them. United. Having everything in common. Seeking to be generous to one another. They're loving. They're loyal. They're kind. Devotion is a practical part of their everyday living. 
It's natural and it's significant and it impacts those around them. It leads them to meet daily to learn from Christ. It means that relationships are of the utmost importance and the heart of their family. And they didn't want to see members of their family struggling and suffering. So they would go to any lengths to ensure that they had everything in common and that nobody was in need. Even from time to time, as we read about in the second passage, they were prepared to sell land, houses, possessions, to offer money to those that needed it more. And secondly, generosity is sacrificial. It's hugely sacrificial, isn't it? To, to do without so that others might have. To sell property or possessions and give the money to others has personal sacrifice. It means that you'd be more financially insecure and unsure about the future maybe. It might mean that family members who thought they were getting an inheritance might not get what they thought they were going to have. If we give sacrificially, then we have less, considerably less. But it means that others will be cared for and have more. God has always longed for his people to be generous. We've heard, haven't we, how his heart is for the poor and the fatherless, the foreigner, the widow... And as such, he made provision for them. And he reminded Israel frequently, frequently that they care for them and are generous. In Deuteronomy, it reads, If anyone is poor among you, fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Every seven years, Israel celebrated a year of release. When all debt would be cancelled and the pressure on the poor that the poor were under would be removed in that year. They, for instance, would no longer have to face that agonising pressure of repaying debt to their landowners or farmers. But they'd be released from it, of what they owed. And then every 50 years, they would celebrate the year of Jubilee. When all slaves would be free and released to go back to their homes and debt would be cancelled, it would be a completely fresh start for absolutely everyone. And that was sacrificial because those with more would then have less. They'd have less when debt was cancelled and no one was expected to pay back what they'd been had lent to them. But the poor would be released from the hardship and pain of that situation for a time. So generosity is on the heart of God himself. And he longs for it to run through the heart of his people. He longs for his people to put others first and give generously so that others will benefit. Last year I went to watch Daniel Blake. Anyone seen Daniel Blake, the film? No. Yeah, one. It's a great film, guys. Go and see this film. But it's heartbreaking. It's uh, left me and most of the cinema in tears. But it's about this older man who's recovering uh, from a heart operation. And he loses everything because he cannot work. 
And because the benefit system, with all its loopholes and paperwork and systems, just lets him down. And it's a bit of a political drama. But there are some amazing scenes of generosity between this guy, Daniel Blake, and a single mum with two children that he befriends, who's also struggling to make ends meet, to feed her children and make a life for herself. She sacrifices her own health to feed her children, whilst at the same time offering hospitality to Daniel Blake as she welcomes him into the room and feeds him. These two broken people end up caring for one another, having everything in common and sharing that they little ha- the little that they have uh, with one another as the need arises. So generosity is shown beyond what we share as Christians. People are generous all over our world. It's not just Christians. It's a very powerful gift to have. But what difference does it make for those of us who know Christ? Well, I think it's that none of us can forget that we know as followers of Christ, we have experienced sacrificial generosity beyond what we can ever imagine. We've experienced the generosity of Christ himself who gave everything he had, who gave up his throne to be born and grow up and die in poverty. And all because of his love for you and for me. All because of his generous heart and his desire that we, his sinful and broken people, might have a relationship with God and be forgiven for our lack of love and our lack of generosity towards God and others. We are poor and broken and needy because of our sin. And yet, we don't have to wait every seven years or even every 50 for our debt to be cancelled. Because the generous, sacrificial love of Jesus, our debt of sin has been cancelled once for all time and been completely wiped out. I think the reason the early church is so devoted to Christ and to one another is because they understand and have experienced the sacrificial and godly generosity that's come from Jesus himself. We know it hurt Jesus to go to the cross We know he wept and pleaded before his father. It was a sacrificial act of generosity. Thirdly, generosity is a voluntary thing. As the early church and as Christians in the 21st century, we're not forced into being generous or or threatened with punishment by God if we don't. Generosity in these verses is always voluntary. The believers are generous because they're devoted and they're a loving family who care for one another. Their lives have been transformed and pooling their resources um, is, is a way to meet the human need there. You see, Jesus didn't forbid people to have private property and then sort of say, you've got to give it away. We know the early church had homes because they worshipped in them. They met in them. They sold property and possessions as the need arose. And that was because they knew that everything that they had wasn't theirs at all, but it belonged to God. When Barnabas sold his field and brought the money to the apostles in Acts 4, he didn't do it because he was told to. He did it because he wanted to, and he chose to as a devoted follower of Christ. 
We just had this reading a little bit earlier, but I'll read it again. 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Wealth and honor come from you. Everything that the early church had was God's. Their money, their property, the land, their possessions. And of course, that hasn't changed. Everything we have is not ours. It's God's. It's his world. And so is everything in it. And that's a hugely countercultural idea in the 21st century, isn't it? Because our world cries out for more possessions, bigger homes, larger cars, more money in the bank, a more secure retirement, a more powerful, well-paid job. But generosity comes from the opposite, knowing that what we do have is a gift from God. And then what we do with it, we want to do it to honor him and recognize that. It's hugely challenging, isn't it? It's hugely challenging as we walk past the phone shop and we think our contract is nearly up and there's an advert outside the phone shop for something bigger and better and more powerful than the iPhone 6 or whatever it is you have and you think, oh, this is redundant now. It's not very good. The screen's a bit small. Maybe I could have that one or maybe I could have that bigger one or it's just so limited what I've got. Don't you do that? I do, because you just, you're just bombarded. And you just think, oh, I could just have something a bit better. It's hugely challenging when we're planning summer holidays, isn't it? And we're thinking about white sandy beaches and all-inclusive hotels and cruises on the med. It's even hugely challenging when maybe we've got our first job and we've got money in our pockets and we just want to spend it on whatever we feel like. It's even hugely challenging when we've just had a really tiring day and we're exhausted, but we know that a neighbor or a friend has been on their own all day. Being generous is voluntary. It comes from the heart. We're not told to do it. It comes from being devoted to Christ and being part of his family. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that each of us should give what we have decided in our hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that important in generosity too, being cheerful about it? That's a bit of a sign that something's voluntary. That giving isn't something we do begrudgingly as God's church because we've been told, but voluntarily, cheerfully, because we know we're bringing pleasure to our generous God and meeting the needs of those that are struggling. And lastly, being generous has a powerful impact. One writer wrote, What you do with your money and your possessions declares what sort of community you are. And that is true. And I think it's been true right back to the early church. Indeed, right back to the very earliest people of God. When the people of Israel took care of the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, it spoke volumes to the nations around them that they were different and a people who had compassion and love at their heart. But more importantly, it spoke of the God of Israel, of his love, his faithfulness, his love, his kindness and compassion and generosity. And that unlike people, he never wavered or changed or was anything other than generous. When the early church sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need, it spoke volumes to the people around them. As they met together day by day, week by week, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People noticed. But more than that, The Lord added to their number daily, daily, 
those who were being saved. The communities around saw their generosity and were blessed by it. And people became Christians and discovered Christ through the powerful witness of that early church. Generosity is a wonderful witness of the church to who Christ is. I don't know how many of you will, this will ring bells with this story, but a few years ago there was a homeless guy in Troll and he came and he pitched his tent by the waterfall um, over behind the field. Nod if this is familiar to any of you remember this. He was Peter, wasn't it? I couldn't remember his name. And it was, it was in the winter, it was over Christmas. And he knocked regularly on the door of the rectory and on the door of the office. He chatted with me, with Julie, with Adrian. He was given copious cups of tea and sandwiches. And the longer he stayed, and it was a good few months, wasn't it, in the end, the more people knew him. And the more people brought him food, clothes, hot drinks, sleeping bags, anything to get him through the winter. And as I recall, it was snowy. There was a lot of snow on the ground. He had thermoses of rather posh soup, if I remember, and uh, biscuits and cake. He was here right over Christmas. And I think you and the kids, we just went and sang Christmas carols around the tent. The generosity of the church, and not just the church, of the community of Troll, had an impact. Because actually... He didn't really know how to cope with people being so generous. He kept insisting he wanted to do something as payment. So he actually painted the downstairs of the falling apart parish rooms at the time. He kept wanting, what shall I do to say thank you? Now, I've no idea whether one day he will join the dots and recognize that it was God's generosity that he received from this community and from this church We can only pray for him that he does. But he was on the receiving end of lovely, beautiful, godly generosity, and it had an impact. He knew love where he had not been experiencing it. He knew so much love that he, in the end, he disappeared, didn't he? Just couldn't, just didn't know what to do with it all. And as I've prepared this sermon, I've asked myself some hard questions about whether I am really a devoted and generous follower of Christ. And thinking beyond myself, I wonder what sort of community do we want to be in Troll and in this church? Do we want to be known by others for our love and generosity? Do we long for others to come to Christ and to see God's love through us and want to know Jesus because of it? Do we even believe that there would be a powerful impact in the village and beyond if we really went for it in terms of generosity? Would people become Christians and see Christ in us as we reached out to others? There are many, many generous people in this church. Generous with their gifts, with their time, with their money. Generous with their words and with their encouragement, their food, their homes, their energy. Generous within this church and generous within this community. And some will have opportunities to be financially generous, and some will will not. But both are precious to God. Some will have more opportunity to be generous with their time, and that is just as precious to God. The point is that young, old, working, retired, school, married, single, whoever we are, I believe we're all called to this godly generosity And it might be right for some of us to sign up for 40 Acts. It might be right for some of you guys to sign up for tomorrow and start five days in. But it might be right for some of us to really go for it and fill that food basket 
in the hive for the food bank. Or maybe make meals for someone who's sick or maybe just had a baby. Or maybe just to financially provide where there is lacking. Maybe to offer a room or shelter to someone who needs it for a while. Seasons change and so do the ways we can be generous. But there is absolutely no doubt that even the smallest things can make a huge difference. There are 424, I I think, Google it, food bank centres in the country. And in 2015-16, they provided 1,109,309 three-day emergency food supply packs to people who were struggling. And it's growing, that need. So it may seem a very small thing to buy two boxes of cereal and put one in the basket or eight tins of beans and put four in a basket. But the impact is great. And the difference that would make to someone's week is huge. Making an extra portion of lasagna for someone who's been in hospital is an easy thing to do, but it has a big impact. And as I finish, I want to tell you a story um, from this church of generosity that over the years, and we've been here 14 years now, has really struck me and will stay with me and I believe with a few others for the rest of my life. And it could be about building this centre, but it isn't because that's the one we always say. So in 2013, I had a mad plan to take a group of teenagers to Uganda to spend a few weeks with two of our missionaries, Heidi and Bosco. Heidi and I Facebooked a bit about the idea and as we did, I realised I really really wanted to do this and I knew that I had a group of young people who would really jump at the chance but I also began to realize very quickly that it was going to cost an absolute fortune flights accommodation travel equipment food and our little safari holiday at the end of it it's very important but as a team we experience immense generosity from the diocese from the few trusts that I applied to money from, but most powerfully from the members of this church family and the community. Because people who supported us, uh, they supported us at events and fundraisers that we put on. There were people who handed me cash at random times and places. There were people who put on soup lunches and other events where we plugged what we were doing. There were people who prayed. There were the members of the public who supported our young people Hours after hours as they played music outside Superdrug. Hours. They made so much money. The impact of this was that by February 2014, we had all the money that we needed and more. And that was five months before we travelled. And I think we needed about 20 grand. I can't quite remember. And the young people noticed this. And they saw the generosity of their church family and they were moved by it. And it impacted them so much to the extent that when we were in Uganda and time was drawing to an end, they came to me and they wanted to um, combine their spending money to buy Heidi and Bosco a much-needed fridge for their home. And it was a big amount of money. And they gave sacrificially. And I believe that that was because they had seen the generosity of their church. The impact of the generosity of Troll Church in financing this trip, but also praying and encouraging them practically, has always stayed with me since then. And I know it stayed with some of them. Because for some of them, their faith was transformed on that trip. 
Their hearts were challenged to offer themselves to work overseas, some of them, and to give generously to others. So godly generosity is right at the heart of the life of the church, and I believe at the heart of every devoted believer. It's powerful, it's sacrificial, it's voluntary, and it has impact on those around us. So as we seek to love one another and to love our community out there, let's be generous. And let's see how God uses that generosity to draw people to his kingdom. Amen.